Linda Lee Allen Vossler continues her conversation with Neil Townsend, the chief market analyst with FarmLink and GrainFox, on the September numbers in Stats Canada Principal Field Crop Report. Neil, of course, we chatted yesterday as far as the wheat in Durham. Let's focus in now on oil seeds and, and pulses starting with canola. I think canola is very interesting. I mean, we've seen some really good crush margins in Western Canada. Uh, It hasn't maybe translated to as much urgency as you might expect. But again, I think part and parcel of that is just, you know, the very significant macroeconomic headwinds that make, you know, forward planning a little difficult because people are just worried about what the state of the economy is going to be in in a month, two months, three months, six months. But, you know, canola, like it didn't maybe get the big boost in acres that everybody thought it got a little boost in acres. But moreover, it's it's the one crop that seems to have underperformed broadly based in the yield expectations. So it's not having, you know, it's not a disaster by any means, but it's just not having the sort of, you know, results in the, in the three major provinces that you would expect to get a big crop. So that ends up sort of with a tighter supply than we maybe otherwise expected. Ultimately, I think we're going to crush, you know, around about 10 million tons in Western Canada. And then, you know, we have to export a proportion, but this is where we really get question marks because if you told me that, you know, China's going to import 2.5 million tons, I would believe you. If you told me they're going to import 4.5 million tons, I would believe you. So that's a wide range, that 2.5 to 4.5. And, uh, you know, just with the sort of question marks in and around everything to do with China nowadays and their demand, and we're not even talking about like an antagonistic relationship, like, you know, in the Huawei era, I think it's just more of internal domestic things that are happening in China that are sort of, you know, the zero tolerance for COVID and, and you know, their property sector and all that kind of thing, just like an economic question mark. And I, I don't know what they're going to import, but if they import towards the higher range, then we're going to see some broad based support for canola. If they import towards the lower end of those expectations, I mean, that will be a difficult year. Uh, that will sort of be complicated further by the fact that, you know, anything related to oil seeds that has a biodiesel or renewable diesel component to it is going to be struggling as long as the macroeconomic headwinds maintain the course that they're on right now. And soybeans? Uh, Soybeans, I mean, like some of the comments I would say would be similar to canola in the sense of the macroeconomics and the big challenge from China. Uh, You know, we're closely related to our southern neighbor, the U.S., and the U.S. got off to a pretty good start on their export program to China, but lately it's really struggled because of the intense competition from Argentina and Brazil. And that's something I would look forward very uh, carefully to as a farmer of oil seeds in Western Canada is, you know, uh, all signs point to a massive crop coming from South America. The farmers have been incentivized to plant a lot of soybeans. Uh, it would be the first time that collectively they'd have more than 200 million tons. And, you know, there is potential upside to that. We have the uh, uh, La Nina, which is, you know, in sort of in a third straight year, but a lot of the projections have it flipping to an El Nino in December. And that's at a critical point in the growing season for Brazil, and that would probably give it a bit of a boost. But if they have a big crop, you know, uh, soybeans will will struggle. Now, that being said, uh, the Canadian soybean market in Western Canada can kind of forge its own little story depending on, you know, just exactly our own supply and demand. And I think we're going to have an okay crop, but we're not going to be overburdened with uh, soybeans and 
we should be able to find uh, an export market for most of our soybeans. But again, we're very much price takers in that department. And as far as pulses are concerned? Yeah, pulses, I mean, you know, we can start and end with the discussion on India. Um, you know, there's still a lot of mystery there. They they had a much smaller wheat crop than they initially reported. Then they are having a much smaller rice crop than their expectations are. So, you know, to the extent that we don't have as much firsthand information on on the fate of the pulse crops, like we just have to take the official numbers. But, um, you know, if we extrapolate and say that there's a bit of a food security issue in, in India where there could be more demand or less exports of those crops and a slightly smaller supply of food, so they might be importing, that could be supportive of um, pulses down the line. But, of course, this is where macroeconomics, the super strong U.S. dollar, those are things that will hinder that. On the positive side is we've seen quite a drop-off in the container freight cost. So the transportation to India will be much, much cheaper than it would have been last year. So perhaps we could pick that up. In terms of the local S&Ds for, for pulses, there's nothing that really stands out as being you know, overly burdensome. The crops were, you know, like we had okay production season this year but we haven't flipped from being like you know as tight as we were last year due to the drought to sort of abundance and uh, that will keep things interesting depending on the rate and pace of exports and again in the early you know just looking at the cgc numbers for the weekly exports there's been some encouraging things happening in both the lentils and the peas Again, it's hard to discern a trend from six or seven weeks. We have to watch and wait and see what, what it is in sort of like week 18, week 20 around there. So if we can continue to kind of put stuff out, uh, as I said, since the production wasn't burdensome, we will tighten the supply and demand balance sheet, and we might see some further strengthening in the prices. The prices have held up fairly good through harvest, which is usually a very good sign for the year to come. But I remind everybody, just in my career in this space, this is the most onerous, the most um, scary, frankly, that the broader macroeconomics have been. And uh, I just think where that really impacts Canada is as a country so reliant on exporting, um, you know, a lot of the determination of the price direction is out of our hands. And uh, with this super strong U.S. dollar and um, so much macroeconomic uncertainty, I worry about the, you know, the sanctity and the, the firmness of the demand that we would normally project given the fundamentals that we see in the broader world. Now, I want to talk a little bit about mustard. It's a super interesting market in 21-22. Uh, you know, the, the previous marketing year, it was just very tight because Canada had such a small crop and you know, we had very high prices in the United States. We had very high prices in, in Europe as a result of, you know, the missing mustard. We produced more this year, uh, but we needed to produce more this year. And prices will probably be under some pressure. But historically speaking, the prices will still be relatively healthy. And, um, you know, again, mustard is a very, very important crop also in the subcontinent in India and Pakistan and those areas. It's a key spice in a lot of the things producing there now we don't do a lot of trade with them but if if you know the same weather that sort of uh, 
you know, took out some of their wheat and, and rice crop in India and the flooding in Pakistan. I mean, we could see sort of, you know, the prices for mustard firm there as well, which would support the broader sort of world price of mustard. So, yes, Canada grew more, should be damaging to prices, and it has been damaging to prices. But I wouldn't, I wouldn't characterize mustard, uh, the supply and demand balance sheet for mustard as being onerous and something that necessitates like, you know, a, a larger drop in prices than we've already seen. And just final thoughts in, in general, I guess, as producers are, are wrapping up that harvest out there. Yeah, I mean, uh, the one thing that we, we have done is, you know, we see this as a high-risk um, marketing year where there could be, you know, um, periods of time where because of questionable demand that the prices come under pressure. Um, we're watching in particular sort of like, you know, what is China doing? Is China going to, you know, are they going to wake up from, from COVID? Are they going to open the economy back up? Are they going to support the economy? Are they going to do things that kind of solidify their demand base? Um, and we don't know. And until we can see some positive signs like that, uh, we expect this to remain a higher risk marketing year where there's the potential for a reversion to mean, meaning that prices come down on average. And as such, uh, you know, our strategy is being to forward sell a higher proportion of the crop at this juncture than we normally would. So we're, you know, 50 to 60% sold on most things, even though the crop year is just, you know, started on, on August 1st. And, you know, we're only really almost two months into it. Normally we'd only be around about 30 or you know, 30% sold, but we've sold more just because we, we, we feel there's a big amount of risk in the market. That's not to say that there's not opportunity, but we need to get over a few hurdles and see some, uh, you know, a bit more quote unquote normalcy in the markets where the fundamentals can kind of tell a bigger story than just looking at the inflation rate and what the central banks are doing everywhere. Neil Townsend is the Chief Market Analyst with FarmLink and GrainFox. For Golden West, I'm Glendalee Allen-Bossler. That's it for the Prairie AgWire for today. If you have any questions or opinions to share, send them to us by email to thefarmdesk at goldenwest.ca. On behalf of Glendalee Allen-Bossler, I'm Candace Dirksen, and thanks for listening. Have a good afternoon. Prairie AgWire will return Thursday on the Golden West Farm Network.